Hello everyone, welcome back to the left page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer. I am joined as always by my good friend and political scientist, Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Frank. Hello. And we are joined today with a very special guest to, to wrap up left page for 2023. Hello. Say hello to Jay. Hello. If you've listened to Herbie Media, you know me by now. But this is my first time on the left page, which is super exciting. So yes, I'm Jay. Books. I'm one of the Yes, I'm from the co-host of Library Punk, that's books. And also Tender Subject, which is about cannibalism, which is not books, but sometimes can be. And my degree is actually in literature. And so this is super exciting. Cause then I get to talk about books in a way I don't books. normally get to. Yeah. Oh. Yay books. Fuck books. Yay books. Yay books. Intersectional <laughs> bookism. We are here yeah. to absolutely some book within the book action. Yes. And the book today was actually, naturally, a suggestion from Jay. It is none other than... Oh, The Secret <laughs> History <laughs> by Donna Tartt. I had originally suggested Infinite Jest, but that... No, I'm the only one masochistic enough to, to read that, so we went with this instead. <laughs> I'm currently reading Ulysses with some friends of mine. So once that's done, then we can think about Infinite Jest. Then Jake comes back to do Infinite Jest. Yeah, that's, I, uh, I also love Ulysses, so that's a, um, I, I, I'm okay with us not doing Infinite Jest because you're reading Ulysses. <laughs> that's my excuse. Yes. I had a revelation about James Joyce and like Cronenberg. Oh. As in that they make me feel the same way, and I will not be elaborating Terrifying. on any of that. They both no, I can see it. near a state that makes my soul exit my body at any given time, but kind of doesn't. And that's just kind of how I feel when either watching Cronenberg or reading Joyce. Mm. There you go. I elaborated. I lied. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you betrayed us. Uh, yeah. It will happen again. Yeah, I like long books um, that I read as a challenge to myself because um, <laughs> I'm a competitive asshole and I have to channel it somehow. So, <laughs> as long as it's eternal, it's fine. It's like you know, exactly. It's like, can I read the long book? Cool, I did. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I was quite pleased with myself with how quick I ended up reading this book. It just grabbed right on. The secret history, or yeah, the secret yeah, history. it's a. It's a fucking page turner, despite it, like it is like almost 600 pages, but they go by very quickly. It's very engrossing. I'm very happy that that was y'all's experience with, with this book. I, I'm not going to be overly negative, but for me, it was slightly different. I did like just today read like the last, I don't know, like 20% of the book or something. I don't know, mm -hmm. but that's. So I had to page turn, but that was not because I necessarily wanted to. But it's not here or there. Let's let me let me not, let me not start off with anything too <laughs> overtly Leonish. So the secret history is from well, at least from what Jay has told told us before, and uh, it it definitely feels that way when you read it. It is the this is a poor way to put it, but the foundational dark academia book. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a murder mystery. It is about horrible college kids in Vermont. Uh, that's and and the classics as a big theme, and uh, that's the most comprehensive and general way to put it. I think. <laughs> Feel free to correct me, Jay. 
no no like it's yeah it's a bunch of a bunch of kids at not bennington college and totally not based off of donna tart's actual friends and ex-boyfriends um, <laughs> yeah That's no there's scary. this whole oral history about it like <laughs> these characters are based off of her friends Fuck. some of them yeah hmm. so it, it opens up with them talking about them killing their friend bunny and so instead of it being a whodunit type of murder mystery, it's a, a how catch em slash why done it mm-hmm. style. It's like, okay, they did it. And it's like a lot of it is about being kind of kind of like with the Vel- with what we talked about with Velvet Goldmine, actually, in the Here We Media episode about a aesthetics. Year ago. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's been a whole <laughs> year. Wow. Um, mm. But it's about like getting too caught up in aesthetics and what can happen when you get when there's like aesthetics without like a really foundation of like an ideology under it. Oh wow! I did not intend to have that parallel, but look at good us. call. Look at us. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely. Oh, and also they just like quote like Greek and Roman shit all the time that I don't know about. Because they're little assholes. Well, technically, doesn't make you an asshole <laughs> if you know yeah. Like all these I, I saw, well, I saw like a bunch of reviews of this book that were like the characters they like were meant to think they're like so smart and they're quoting all these things, but they're really just like pretentious. I'm like, yeah, that's the fucking point. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're supposed all to horrible. be very. There's like surface level smart, like you are in college when you think you're the shit because you can fucking quote Plato or something. I've been that person. Like, don't worry. This is this is me. Like, seeing what I could have been. Mm, I I don't know. I I feel like maybe this says a lot about me, but I don't think they are the worst about it. Uh, I think there are people like, for instance, in the book Babel that we talked about. There are people in that book that are a lot more obnoxious about it, about their whole classical knowledge stuff than in this book. In this book, once again. It at least does us the courtesy to like indicate what they are trying to talk about at all times and what they're trying mm-hmm. to reference. And <laughs> that's not even like the case in a whole bunch of other dark academia stuff, which I think helps with like the obnoxious elements of this so-called uh, interpreted as pretentious critique. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also yeah. think like I agree. These are obviously not like people there's no Donna Tart at no point in time I think intended for these people to act and behave like actual people like I I don't like think you can look at these people like oh yeah well that's you know they're characters in a Greek tragedy yeah <laughs> which are you know? very much not real people like yeah they're archetypes you yeah know? Mm. yeah so would it be helpful to like go over a little bit about what dark academia is and why this book like is kind of the like platonic ideal of what a dark <laughs> academic thing is. Yeah. So in my, like my search for like stuff to talk about on here, it's like, uh, I, <laughs> I can, I can talk about the books that I like on here for like forever. And I, I I'm going to do that, but I, every so often I want to like intersplice that with something that I think like, Oh, well this within a certain type of culture within literature, is a very revered book, and this is definitely one of those books, and a book that, like you know, apparently a lot of people 
Like, <laughs> I guess I'm drawn to people being feral about stuff. And this is a book that a lot of people are feral about online. <laughs> like, really, really intensely. So I was like, okay, well, let's check this out. What's what's behind door secret history? So that's why I kind of wanted to, like, and definitely, like, Dark Academia is something. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I th- first thought it was, like, a bit of a... I mean, I don't want to call it a stupid title, but it, it is... I don't understand necessarily what what makes it dark. Okay, murder. Okay, cool. Now now we have now we understand why it's dark academia because otherwise it's just academia. So I, I don't know. But yeah, go ahead. Let's let's talk about dark, uh, dark academia, academia. Is just academia. Yeah, I was about Ta-da! to say it's just it's just <laughs> academia. But some sometimes mushroom murder, and that's like I don't know. Academia. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. So like. I, I remember I got into this, a friend recommended this to me in um, 2018. And I feel like um, that was when like dark academia was starting to percolate on Tumblr. I've never really been a TikTok <laughs> or Instagram person, so I don't know how it was like on there, but it was like, you know, people posting like aesthetic photo sets of, you know, people with like holding a cigarette but it's like stained their fingers stained with ink and there's like a bandaid around it or something. Right. And they are wearing like big sweaters and they drink tea and it's always raining and you're in Oxbridge or, or whatever. And it's like, I feel like with dark academia, there's a lot of criticisms about it because it is very much focused on white Eurocentric very upper class aesthetics and sensibilities and characters and stories. I feel like partly that's the point though. Oh yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. I feel like there could be, and there probably are like stories that deal with like, what does dark academia look like when it maybe talks a little bit more about issues of race and like, yeah yeah like cool there's an example there we go yeah it's like 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 with the legacies of like colonialism and race within academia or even just like the subject matter that the students are obsessive about yeah right like i saw one criticism like in dark academia people are more likely or to read like oscar wilde or something than they are to read like tony morrison Mm-hmm. or something like beloved like beloved's a really dark book like yes. why isn't like that the kind of fiction that like these students get obsessed with but it's like again i think that's like th- that critique is built into the genre um mm-hmm. and there's just some people i'm some stories navigate that better than others Mm -hmm. and and then also people have just just turned it into like an aesthetic tm yeah of like here's how you be a dark academia girly and like here's the clothes you wear and you should drink tea and here's some books to read like i am i am not free from sin i went out and bought the bakai after i read this and like i I got really kind of into like knowing it was just like a fun, like I'm going to, you know, dress up like this and like, whatever, like 
knowing it was just playing in a space and aesthetic, but some people feel like take it very seriously. I don't know. Also, yeah. I feel like sometimes the like, oh, the kids are taking it too seriously. It's just people like making a panic where one isn't. Yeah. Like, really, we should be critiquing this sort of like obsession with aesthetics that people can like switch between like, and I've seen some YouTube videos about this, but I feel like dark academia in and of itself, I feel like there's been like alarm bells and a lot of harsh critique around it. That is maybe undeserved or like misdirected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think dark academia for that, since there's a really interesting crossroads of a bunch of those different things, which Mm -hmm. makes it not easy to navigate. I think academia is because it is relatively recent, I would argue, and Jay gave me the courtesy of opening the Tumblr gate, so I can I can, I can talk about that now too. <laughs> it's once again I've witnessed like the the dark academia girlies on like TikTok and Tumblr both, and a lot of trans guys are into dark academia too. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's yeah. like definitely why I think maybe trans people feel like drawn to this type of specifically. Anglican or like not Anglican English literature is maybe because once again it it has such a long tradition of like dissecting emotions and like you know heaping words upon words upon words and like knitting them together very artfully and like neatly and that's something that I think English literature excels at at a certain points at least and I think that that's maybe like where people who struggle with a lot of emotions can see themselves reflected into. And that's why, once again, maybe these progressive online spaces can draw to that, even though it's very uncomfortable sometimes because the drapings that they are trying to like interact with are <laughs> are deeply problematic. And that's just that's just unfortunate one of those things that we can like, that that we encounter online quite a bit, I would say. Yeah, like I was. This book sucked me in when I read it because, like, I really like lush descriptive like i like Anne rice i like oscar wilde i like the the literature equivalent of like really heavy perfume you know (laughs) like i like that kind of sensation when i'm reading just to be completely engrossed by something and this fucking book like right out the gate is very about like the prose is really beautiful and it's very hashtag aesthetic but also like talks about aesthetics a lot in it in a way that was just like catnip for me when I read this. And I like, I feel like maybe like that's part of the draw is that so often this kind of literature and this kind of writing is shunned. Purple prose is bad. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta trim everything down. Stop using so many fucking adjectives, you know, like, you know, make it nice and crisp and clean and minimalist. Right. And then this is like very kind of maximalist, literature it it just like indulges yeah in it like the scenes where they're in class like talking about like oh what's the fucking like shit they say about like beauty and everything it's like no no college student has ever said what these students say except for bunny's essay where he talks about meta materialism or whatever that's like super pretentious and bad no college student has ever said anything these college students have said but it's just like really like kind of like darkly lush it's like how in perfume there's always like a bit of rot in it and that's what makes Mm -hmm. it smell good it's like 
the like underpinning like darkness with the lushness of it is like this like perfect kind of intoxicating uh combination and it's like it it intoxicates you it like possesses you for the first half (laughs) and then it goes haha sucker everything's bad actually which i feel like people don't talk about with this they're like oh the dark academia it's just like and it's like no this this book talks about it um like everything goes to shit (laughs) exactly i think that's what i liked most about this book like how it goes terribly and again the main characters are pretty horrible uh, aside from obviously being just very horrible, you can just like say two of them horrible. whole ass die. Like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> and the ones who live aren't much better off, uh, and aren't no. still good. And I, I feel like that because you know, I from from my experience, I haven't read much of Dark Academia. Like, I've heard of it, read stuff about it. I think that the best examples of what Dark Academia is or can be are illustrated in what you were talking about, Jay. That like it contains this this wrongness, this darkness, this rot, really. Like, it it has the thing that, like, this isn't good, or there's a lot of it that's just off or bad or not quite right. And sometimes I, I feel like from what I've seen or heard of Dark Academia before, that it is this, you know, it's like, oh, there's some ambiguity here, but overall, like, it's going to turn out pretty much the same or all right. Like, there's not... The the brutality in this book is what really captured me and really set it apart for me. It's like, whoa, this is fucking brutal. It's serious. Like it doesn't hold back, and it just goes on. Like the various strands of narrative in in between the aesthetics and the lushness and the environments and all of that. It. It lulled me in a bit, like, okay, I, I want to find out more about this story and, like, what is going on and who are these people. And, you know, you're immersed in this world or rather how these characters see this world. And I, I, I later on, after I read this book, I, I was watching, just because, John Berger's documentary, Ways of Seeing. Uh, it's a four-part documentary from the BBC. Which is all on YouTube. <laughs> it's fantastic. And one of the things he says, I was like, I got to write this down for the episode, is that, and you see it in this book, is that the classics works as a system of etiquette, a reference system for the highest strata of the ruling class. And this isn't the highest strata of the ruling class, but intending to be. And and Bunny is like this, not really, not barely even rich, but kind of being uh, uh, taking advantage of and kinda and wanting to be and the connection with the classics and for for some of the characters this works more it's like no this this is our life this is who i want to be because of this reference like they literally aren't allowed to take any other classes like like the thing like this and, and then we can we can still stay on this train of thought but like this leads me into like why a lot of other dark academia, like secret history knockoffs, what they miss that works so much about this book. Whereas like the couple others that I have read get this spot on Mm. and it's the subject matter that they're studying is like the classics, right? They are learning Latin and Greek and all of that. And it's not just, Oh, they're, they're college kids at not Bennington, like studying this. It's like, no, you aren't allowed to take 
to be a classics major or get into this class unless you get approval from the professor and the professor has to like you somehow so you have to like prove yourself to him somehow and then you're you don't take any other fucking classes you just take latin and greek and so it becomes like a cult like literally and then they do a fucking bacchanal and like (laughs) have like fucking like religious ecstasy and like kill a guy about it so it's like what they're studying is not just oh here's a cool like signifier of something but it's like that is what structures this entire story they don't just study the classics they fucking do a bacchanal and they're basically in like a little like rich kid cult and when you read it you are as like overcome as they are it's like you you also are like implicated in this you get brought into it like i felt like drunk reading it and like it it was just like i remember like when i read this it was just like because I had no idea what to expect beyond yeah. like a friend told me like, Oh, here's what this book is about. I was like, cool. I'm going to read that. And then I was like, what the fuck is happened? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this book takes the classics and it goes, okay, these aren't just, you know, your roommate in college who was a classics major. Like, no, what happens if you like push that to the extreme? It's like they don't just study classics. They are them. That is their life. Exactly. It is real to them. It is literal to them. It's literally their whole world. Like yeah. there, there are points when they're talking about like, oh, I don't know what's going on in the outside world. I don't stay in the loop. It's like it, the classics is their world. Henry didn't know the moon landing happened. <laughs> yes. This book is in the 90s or like 80, late 80s or something because uh, it came out in 93. I think 92 or 93. 92. Yeah. But like the other books in the dark academia genre that I've read that like take that and really run with it are um, if we were villains Hmm. written by an actual Shakespeare scholar. And it's like a bunch of kids at a theater school where they own where the theater department like only does Shakespeare and Hmm. it's structured as a five act tragedy. Which nice. sets you up to think something's going to happen in Act 3, and you think you know what's going to happen, and then that's not what happens. And I was like, whoa. Uh, and I, I, I know a lot about Shakespeare, so that one, I was like, oh, is this how the people who know the classics feel like when they read The Secret History? <laughs> and then this other one by this uh, Ukrainian author called uh, Vita Nostra that like is so weird and so good, but it's like, okay, what are they studying and then, like, let that actually be like a, like a structuralist, like formal element of the story and everything, instead of just here's spooky shit happening in college. Oh, and they can quote fucking whomstever, you know? Yeah, it, it becomes a foundational element of the story, mm-hmm. of the narrative, of the structure. Like, in, in the broadest, in the clearest sense, this story could not be any other story if it wasn't about the classics. Yeah. Yeah, like if they were studying, like I, I would be interested to see what a dark academia, like where they were obsessed with like um, the romantic poets, like Byron and Shelley and Keats and all of that. Like what would that story be? You know, I mean, they'd all be just like polyamorous bisexuals fucking each other, uh, which is kind of also in the secret history, <laughs> but they're way more uptight about it. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I I guess that's where I have to <laughs> quite strongly differ. 
I I knew like exactly that that weird thing was coming with the whole buckholding and I I don't know why exactly maybe I'm just weird well obviously I'm weird but it's I don't know I was like okay where where is it gonna be the twist like it's gonna be it's called secret history for Christ's sake so I was like okay obviously they're gonna be doing something secret that's fucked up and I knew like murder mystery was like very popular element within dark academia so it's like okay the secret history is going to be about a murder isn't it and voila it's that it's it's a murder and and i was like okay so i don't know i didn't feel that strong of a connection with it to to my detriment clearly but i don't know i uh, i also feel like it to because you guys just said that uh i feel like oh there's there's such a lost opportunity about them not being cool queer polyamorous fucks that are like i don't know at, at every point in time, this book, to me, sadly, I must say, takes has the opportunity to be way more interesting than it actually is. And I don't know, I feel like for a lot of people, like, you know, clearly here, that works because it's more toned down and more navigable, navigable therefore. But I feel like the maximalism of its prose is bottlenecked by the sometimes, in my humble opinion, boringness of its action. And it's not like, oh, I want it to be like a superhero movie or something like that. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But you could have done a lot more freaky shit with it, is all I'm saying. And instead of like... Read Vita Nostra. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Well, <laughs> that is what you are wanting. You know, precisely. <laughs> and I'm totally open for other suggestions. But I, I was just like, people like talk so intensely about these books. I was like, okay, well, let's get into some weird shit. And then it's just like, oh, okay. It's just like, hmm... Power is structured in an alienating way. Wow, what what a surprise! What a what a what a twist! And like, okay, it's ninety two, so it's fine. Tart, we we we're, we're okay. I'm not I'm not making fun of you, Donna, but I, I do feel like, oh man, there, there there's a much more interesting book here. I would argue, and maybe maybe that is that the one that you mentioned. But I don't know. I I expect a little bit more based on the fucking plateau this book is on. Uh, here's a fun anecdote, which is. So I didn't know what this book was. I had heard of it, but I didn't know. It's like, oh, as I was reading, it's like, oh, okay, I know what this book is now. And now it all makes sense. Like I, I figured out it was the this foundational Dark Academia text. Uh, but I, I expected it to be something different because of like this MMO thing, which I think is called The Secret Histories. And it's about like more occultist <laughs> stuff and the secret society. So I was like, I was expecting this to be up to 11. And it really wasn't in terms of the okay. freaky shit. I still really enjoyed it. Like I had a lot of fun with it. But I was like, is this is this going to be weird or is this going to be more? I don't know. Mundane inverted commas. And it was more mundane. But like I, I still had fun. But I totally get it. I was like, is this is this gonna gonna get weirder? Oh, okay, okay. They they killed a guy. Okay, F- fair enough. Let's carry on. <laughs> no, it's just the guy saying anti-Semitic things. Yay! That's that's what I wanted. Thank you, Tart. <laughs> that was a very interesting character. Wow. Oh, he's yeah. accusing a random person of being incestuous, and maybe they were. Hmm, weird. Uh, that's that was also uncomfortable. So I'm like, you could have had made him say freaky, weird shit that like. Like I don't know, accelerated something there, but it's just like makes you uncomfortable, which is a total failure judgment on my part. I'm not like pretending that's a good critique or whatever, but that's just how I sadly felt. Also, she I don't think she understands Xenophon, but nobody does. That's the beauty. <laughs> we on the only thing we know about Xenophon, which is one of the students of Socrates, is that he really likes horses. He like he, he was like the first <laughs> horse girly. He was really into horses. Anybody that has any athletic Xenophon knows that he's just like, you know, and not even necessarily in a bad way. He like talks about horse taming and like, you know, has actually some proper like 
a natural observation going on there about like, oh, well, if you like want to break a horse or whatever, you have to do like this and this and that. That's that. He's horse girly. Uh, he was a horse girly of Socrates' uh, students. And uh, I don't know that. so when then there's this passage about like, oh, it's just about our soldiers and camps and horses. So like, yes, horses. <laughs> it's not about soldiers and camps so much. It's just horses. He was really into horses. I need everybody <laughs> to know that Sadovan was really. That's Leon's favorite part. <laughs> really, really into Yeah, well, it's. Once again, so for me, I think this that part of the book I do really like. The way that, once again, the uh, classic stuff, the antiquity is utilized. Because normally it's like this, uh, in an obnoxious way, like once again, in Babel, like I said earlier. But it is also meant to be obnoxious in Babel. So once again, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But in here, it is meant to be obnoxious. <laughs> But I could enjoy it because I knew what they were talking about. And so when they were talking about like, oh yeah, Sanofon, real horse girl, I was like, yes, Sanofon was. And I get to talk about this with nobody because nobody in their right mind reads Sanofon because he's so fucking boring. It's not, don't read Sanofon. If, if you're listening, don't read Sanofon. It's not, it's not interesting. But I, I was like, yes. Unless you're a horse girly. No, even then, I think there's better literature. On, on that because he writes and he kind of needs to hide it about like because like this heroic thing about like Eiler the individual like learning was a lot more popular during his time because he like you know once again he lived during the same time as Plato mm-hmm. and like so <laughs> this this doesn't matter but I need to finish this now and he kind of just wanted to talk about horses but he's like yeah armies and whatever but but horses also guys guys horses <laughs> which were not that native to uh, greece so for it was a very mystical animal i believe but i'm not quite sure about that anyway so yeah anyway <laughs> I, I was really I, I did like the like once again the, the references were sparse enough and like well distributed enough uh that i was like okay oh yeah that's the, oh yeah that stuff oh yeah that stuff so it wasn't like <laughs> I didn't get You're the like impression. Leo pointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I guess to tie it off is like, I didn't get the impression that Donna Tartt was like, look, I know stuff. I The Iliad, it's my favorite book. It, it actually is, by the way. She said it in an interview. But it's like, you know, so there's, a, and I think that is what's wrong uh, to make to make this whole rent worth something. Uh, I think that's what's wrong in like Dark Academia because it's a bunch of like people reading this and like oh i also like took five greek classes in college and i'm now gonna like shove that down the throat of the reader so that they know that i and like sadly that is still kind of successful because i do think people who focus too much on the aesthetical elements of our academia or academia in general do want that like masturbatory circle jerk type thing that, they like, don't you know, learn the lesson yeah. of the book clearly <laughs> not <laughs> And it's just like us, <laughs> yeah. It's just like us knows us, and that that's like, oh, that's not. I don't think you understood what made this book good for a lot of people. My guy, I'm a. A thing I I really appreciate about this book. So, yeah, it's like kind of dark and like academia, ugh, but and academia. <laughs> sorry, it is sorry. Both of those things, but it also like is kind of funny. Which yeah. I feel like a lot of people, when they write Dark Academia or talk about it, it's like they take all of the like cool murder, let's read poetry surface elements. Mm-hmm. But like there is a scene where they are high at their friend's funeral and there is like a wasp, you know? And like also sometimes Francis Abernathy will just be like drunk in a bathrobe eating maraschino cherries out of a jar. <laughs> like like some like Tennessee Williams heroine 
Like it is Henry didn't know the moon landing happened. Right. (laughs) Like, like it is funny. And I feel like a lot of people don't like, cause they're like, Oh, there's murder. And it's, they're reading fucking whatever. And it's like, no, these like, you can laugh. It's funny. I promise. And in particular, which is what a lot of people don't associate with dark academia. I would argue. Go ahead, Frank. Set the like, word, do your thing. Talk about silliness. <laughs> there you go. I set you up. Oh, 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 all right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Um, but, you know, uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm pushing this 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 agenda of the silly uh, lately for a little bit. Uh, gonna, do, gonna do more of that soon. But it's the kind of thing that's like, yeah, there's the dark stuff that there's all going on, but it's like these moments that kind of take you out of it or like re- resituate you in like in the environment and the characters and everything that's going on they help to nail back the darkness involved like the silly is not detrimental to the impact it reinforces that a sequence or a a series of sequences where that becomes clear is with as the book went on my favorite character i think uh, which is Judy Povey or Povey? Like, Hell yeah, Judy Povey! <laughs> she, she's fantastic. She, she's just great. She's she's actually like a regular person in college. She's awesome, and she's just great. <laughs> she's always there to help. Is like uh, Richard, which is the narrator. He's an asshole. He's not the biggest asshole, but he's the the average asshole. And like he needs something. I was like, yeah, I'll set you up. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you a ride. Yeah, no, I'll pick you up. Hey, how did it win last night? How are you doing? Hey, nice to see you, Richie. So just nice. And that's a really good break from everything that's going on and helps to put you back in the place. Like, oh, so this whole classics thing, this whole culty thing. Yeah, it's all purely delusional and horrible. And it, the contrast when it happens it's funny. You laugh at it. It's like, oh, it's like he's just gone all the time, but like, she's fine. She's just like, yeah, no, oh, I'll hook you up. Oh, what do you need? It's like, just so great. <laughs> this is a this is a Judy Poovey Stan podcast now. Definitely, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll stand in for Leon on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the worst though? What's what's the uh, worst character gone? So, and whoever you pick, I got something mean to say. So don't worry about it. Uh, you'll never pick the right one. It's uh... you, you go first, Jay. <laughs> Julian. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it is Julian first, and then Bunny second. Oh, I fucking hate Bunny. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was, I, would, I would swap them around, the sh- but that's me. On the shores of metamaterialism, and I'm like, Bunny. <laughs> we get a longer scene with him, and I was like, yeah, you know what? You've, you've given me enough reason for you to die. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, but what's the favorite uh, murder method suggested? I'm, I'm partial to the mushrooms, but I just like mushrooms. Oh yeah, the mushroom mushrooms killing fucking... killing bunny via mushrooms is good. Yeah, love the fetishized object of the mushroom within both classical literature and this kind of literature. Actually, so it's, it's a thrill line not many people talk about for good reasons because it sucks, but uh, I like it. <laughs> really? Huh. <laughs> yeah. No, I love all of their weird, like, little hangouts at at the house. And they're like, how are we going to murder him? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I do. Like, I did it's enjoy, so absurd. Yeah, I did. I loved, like, I don't know. I, I did, I will say. Uh, this is revalidating me a little bit, I suppose. But 
I did love the part where indeed they were like, yeah, we're going to murder him. And then they were all at first, I'm like, yeah, okay. And they had a very blasé sort of for murder. That is, they had a very blasé reaction to it. And then halfway through, they're like, oh my God, what are we doing? And they're like, you know what? No, fuck it. He really needs to die. Fuck this dude, Mike. Like, fuck this dude. They had like a moment of clarity for like five seconds and that's it. Like, I don't know. That's as much as remorse as they're getting. Sorry. Yeah. Like such a like gloriously hateable character that you're like, yeah, kill him. <laughs> you're like, these people, you're like, these people did nothing wrong. He deserved to die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like with Julian, it's like, he's like the onus of all of this and also is like sexually abusing Henry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And then like when the letter from bunny gets in way too late, he just like fucks off. He doesn't like, instead of like being like, Oh shit, this is my bad. How do I help these students that I've clearly have influenced like a la Jimmy Stewart in rope. Right. Like, instead of being like, oh, what I am teaching these students, I have not also taught them the the critical literacy skills of, like, how you handle what we're talking about. And now they fucking killed not one but two people over it. Instead of dealing with that like a fucking adult. No, he just, like, fucks off. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, like, independently wealthy and donates his entire salary to the school. So it's like he's able to just fuck off from the face of the earth. Responsibilities? Who? Yeah, he fucking I mean, sucks. not for the rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, n- no rich person. It's like, well, Henry dies. Bunny dies. Francis is made to marry a lady and then attempts suicide, but is not successful. Um, but it's just kind of like miserable and married to a woman <laughs> do you know how much fan fiction there is of oh, richard and francis oh god i hadn't thought of i this. believe it you're right sense. like oh, like just... post the book of richard like going and then like finding francis and them being together yeah mm. no this is my my shame in my tumblr little little header descriptor it says forgive me for all the things i did but mostly for the ones i did not or whatever it is that francis says in Mm. his little uh (laughs) suicide note and i was like that's a good line um and that's been in my my tumblr like little description since 2018 (laughs) i clearly very much like francis he's an idiot there's always like a francis in these books too like some like gay weirdo um, that the author doesn't quite know how to write. Um, <laughs> like there's a there's a gay weirdo in uh, if we were villains, but that one goes, oh, all of these characters are kind of wanting to fuck each other. What if I actually just made them queer and had that be part of what's going on? Um, so like, I, I won't say that if we were villains is better than the secret history because like the secret history is just like. I don't know. It's just like so good, but I feel like some of the themes and the things that like come up in the secret history that now people today reading it who are like little queer weirdos, uh, like if you like the secret history, but wish they all kissed more, you know, or that it like actually dealt with queerness better or something than like if we were villains is a really good is another good read. I would say. Yeah. This book really does take like the, 
the queerness and the things like, yeah, no, it's it's just terrible. No one gets what they want, and especially the queer character, the big, clearly queer character, like he's uh, he's gonna be miserable and he's gonna suffer, and yeah, that's that's that. And like the ending of the book, it's like Richard in a dream in like an old museum, and Henry's there, and he asks, and like Richard asks, like, "Are you happy?" or something, and Richard go, and Henry goes, "Are you?" And it's like. <laughs> He's like, no, Richard's not happy. Like, he's like boring and regular, and this like beautiful world he got sucked up into that then it came crashing down. It's like that's gone now, and he's just like a regular straight guy. When it's like, what if he explored his clearly bisexuality? Like, come on, he is struggling with some demons in this book, and they're the demons of bisexuality. <laughs> just like suck a dick, Richard. It'll fix you. I promise. <laughs> And I, I don't know. I I do feel like if maybe if I had a bit more time, because I, I will admit, dear listener, I have been very busy. Uh, December has been a very busy month, especially for recording. So I I, I feel like if I had <laughs> taken maybe a bit more time with the book, um, I I do feel that there is something more interesting to say, or something. <laughs> there's an alternate dimension in which I'm saying something, which I'm now saying something very interesting about the group dynamics. But uh, sadly, sadly, I, I don't know. I do find this whole, yeah, we need to kill him thing very interesting because that sometimes is indeed how elitist thinking can manifest itself, and it's also how when no motherfucking critical thinking uh, is present, <laughs> then that these are the kind of outcomes. I, I very, very, very fucking quick. I talked to Frank the other day about like how idiots, how, because uh, Frank went to Argentina and there's like an anarchist capitalist uh, in power there. And I, you know, as someone who studied politics a little bit, uh, I like to make fun of anarchist capitalists because they're like the easiest motherfucking people to make fun of. I, I, they're I, so easy to make fun so, of. <laughs> so, and like there's this interview, I sadly don't know the name. I will try to look it up for description, but uh, there was this interview about like this call, not even an interview, but like it's someone who called in until this, this NPR type. Uh, talk show, a uh, uh, radio talk show, and <laughs> who wasn't an anarchist capitalist? And he was like, well, "Okay, I'm sketching you this situation about like, oh, uh, yeah, I've bought up everything because that's how monopolies work, and people with more capital have an inherent uh, advantage on the open market." Blah, blah blah. And this this caller was just like, "Yeah, no, it will fix it. It will fix itself. It's it's a free market. It will regulate itself." Like, no, I have bought everything. What are you going to do now? And the <laughs> The anarchist capitalist on air says, like, yeah, I'll just kill you. And I was like, well, there you go. Or state murdered. <laughs> That's your solution to monopoly. Yeah, just kill the guy, which might not be a bad idea, but not from an anarchist capitalist <laughs> perspective. And just like the blaseness for like, oh, yeah, I'll just kill you. Like really reminded me of like this stupid, like elitist type thinking. And I don't know. I, I do feel uh, one, one pretentious thing I will just say. Is that I do feel like, how do you make, <laughs> if you have a choice between writing a book about teenagers and not writing a book about teenagers, I would go with not writing a book about teenagers because teenagers kind of suck. But it's just, I, I totally get that we need to write about them. It's, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. I'm not one of those people. But uh, for me personally, I'm like, ah, if I have a choice in reading about teenagers and not reading about teenagers, I'm good. But I, I do think there's definitely a way to make teenagers more interesting. And that is how do we scaffold their de- developmental reasoning? And <laughs> uh, and I suppose 
those, if we don't even have a scaffold to put that developmental reasoning on, then then I guess that that is indeed, then this is the situation that you will get. And I'm happy that at least uh, Tart does understand that. I do think that's cool. And they are college it wasn't for students. Me. Yeah. 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 Like they're not teenagers. Yeah. Nah. They're like it. They're like in their in their twenties. Yeah, it's, 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 it's tomato, tomato. <laughs> I I don't know. Their brains are fully grown. Okay, sorry. <laughs> they they drink so much in this book. <laughs> they drink so much. They are pickled. I don't think I've ever re- I, at at this point in time. Well, I've not read some of uh, you know classic drunks like Bukowski or whatever, but um. I've I've not read a book where like the so many characters are drink so much that was so scary in this book. They're just drunk all the time, all the time, all the time. And like in the first half, it makes it seem kind of like again, it's part of the like getting swept up and everything. It's this intoxicant. It's almost like it's almost like religious, right? Like you know, like everything leading up to the bacchanal and like the you know like this ecstatic state. And then the second half, you realize they're just a bunch of fucking losers. Right. And totally, like, they need, he- they are all people who need help as well. Like these people suck. And also they need help. They also need proper friends. Yeah. They need people who don't suck as well. Maybe they shouldn't be friends with each other. Definitely not. Go hang out with Judy. She's great. <laughs> There's someone who'll be with you through thick and thin. Yeah, well, see, like with Bunny, Bunny had friends outside of the group. Yeah, yeah, good call. And nobody else did, and that's like, like Bunny never really fit with everybody else. He pretended to fit, and he like mooched off of people, and he went and was like gay in Rome with Henry or whatever. Like he doesn't say that they fucked, but like they were in Rome hanging out together, they fucked. You know, like that's everyone in this book is fucking each other. Like he like will do that, and then he just like he doesn't talk like them. He doesn't dress like them. He doesn't like the same things that they do, except at a very surface yeah. level. So he's always this like sore thumb, even more so than Richard. Oh, yeah. Richard buys like in. They're impressed by Richard, right? Like he knows like little like Greek grammar things and they're like, oh, you know things like, you know, he, he impresses them. He's like a little wind up toy. Like, ooh, let's see what our new shiny toy can do. And Bunny is just like there until they kill him and they like everything. Like It's like, you know, they finally got that out of the, the group now and everyone's insular now. And then the group implodes. Of course and then the group implodes. Yeah. yeah. It turns out committing a cool murder is not like the bonding activity. You kind of need to like, you know, gel well together. I love Henry's fucking stupid one-liner before he pushes Bunny into the ravine. <laughs> like, he's like, oh hey, but he's like, oh, hey guys, what what are we doing out here? And he's like, I'm looking for new plants for something or whatever. <laughs> and then he pushes him off a fucking ravine. Like he's like, oh Henry had to be so fucking cool. It's like people who read this, I think these characters are cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> simply no, no. Henry, like Henry is a. They're all dorks, derogatory, not affectionate. You know, because it's nerds. like I. Yeah, it's like I also am a pretentious asshole, Same. right? Like I love indulging. In, and dabbling 
in secret history esque stuff. But like, I don't know. They're just like bad. <laughs> I don't know. I find it fascinating though that like Henry, it doesn't just do Latin and Greek in the classics, but he also studies uh, Pali, which is um, as the resident Buddhist on the on on this recording. <laughs> Buddhist like writings was not originally in Sanskrit. The earliest Buddhist writings were in Pali. It's a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like proto Sanskrit. It's very similar, but it's often pronounced a little differently. Like instead of Dharma, it's Dhamma, um, for example. And so it's like Henry's just randomly into like early Buddhist texts and like other Vedic texts. And, like, no one else in the group seems to have, like, interests outside of it, except Henry's got this random, like, into Buddhist shit. Yeah, I'm I'm not a pretentious asshole. I just like to talk about how Martinophon likes horses. That's all I ever <laughs> do. It's, it's, uh, it's funny, because our previous recording was me... Uh, Interrupting Frank to let everybody know uh, to let everybody know on, a, on the episode that I did new the Latin phrase. So uh, it was in a video game. Don't worry, it's not interesting. That's, but uh, <laughs> so I hope for somebody who's listening to this back to back is getting something out of that. I don't know. So that's all. <laughs> Let's see. I am looking in my Kindle notes because I want. I'm curious. What is everyone's favorite like? pretentious line in in, in this you know (laughs) like let's talk about some of the fucking like lines in this because i feel like that would be really like really fun and kind of like if people haven't read this book before like this is the kind of shit you see on like tumblr photo sets absolutely let's have a look oh christ yeah no when, when harry talks about julian and he goes like how can I possibly make the Dean of Studies understand that there's a divinity in our midst? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I have so many highlights. Jesus Christ. I like, um, I suppose at one time in my life, I might have had any number of stories, but now there is no other. This is the only story I will ever be able to tell. And I don't think that makes any fucking sense whatsoever, but it's compelling. It is very, it's, it's, you know, it's like, I get that. (laughs) It's the depressive message of the book that Richard really is like, that's all he's ever lived. And that that he believed that's all he'll ever live. So yay for joy. I like it when people are sad, but have a sort of resignation towards certain things. I don't know why, and I should probably talk about my therapist with that about that, but I'm not gonna. So I have this podcast, so why why would I? Why would I need to do that? <laughs> why would I need to do that? There, listen, it makes no fucking sense. Anyway, I think my favorite, and it's very early in the book, and it's like the first Greek class lesson where they're talking about beauty, oh. right? And it's just like the the fucking beauty is terror whatever we call beautiful we quiver before it and what could be more terrifying and beautiful to souls like the greeks or our own 
Well, you're, you're leaving Sorry. out you're leaving out the best part because they start off with like it's a very Greek idea, Greek. <laughs> which to and me a very profound one. <laughs> which once again, it's really funny because once again, I'm European, so for me, Greece is not that far away. It's not some mystical land. No, they are just people who like it's a very Greek idea. So I think about restaurants or something. I don't think about like antiquity or something. They're doing an Orientalism, but about Greece. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to call Edward Said. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> It just sounds like the Greeks are our own, then to lose control completely, <laughs> to throw off the chains of being for an instant, to shatter the accident of our mortal selves. <laughs> uh, and then later, like Richard talks about like writing down in his journal, <laughs> trees are schizophrenic now and beginning to lose control, engaged with the shock of their fiery new colors. Someone, was it Van Gogh? said that orange is the color of insanity. It was. Beauty is terror. We want to be devoured by it, to hide ourselves in that fire which refines us. Like, it's so, it's so fucking much. Like, I love that it's beautiful. And I'm like, yes, I want to be devoured by beauty and spit out completely transformed, like, you know, hail transcendence. How tender subject of you. Yeah, it's like, it's it's very like, I'm like, yes, I agree with that. But also it's so fucking funny. Like I like. I feel like there could be a fun rereading of that book, whereas I'm just like, because uh, when I read, it, I was like, I was taking it seriously and whatnot. And of course, it's it's silly, but like one that like presses on is like, yeah, this is fucking nonsense. This is wonderful. <laughs> like the comedic so of this book, like with that exact tone you were using. <laughs> yeah, because it's like if I were in college, I would be like. I mean, yes, I was back in college, but, like, if I were, like, in this book, like, I could see myself being exactly like this. It's, like, this is, like, a side of myself that it's, like, yes, I see myself in this book and, like, a version of myself that could have been. And, like, when I first read this, I did not find any of that funny. I was, like, yeah, beauty is terror. Yeah. I was, like, totally sold on it. And it was only, like, later after I had, like, the like insanity that this book caused in me after that died down a bit that I realized how funny it is. And I was like, Oh wait, it got me. It got me good. Uh Oh, I'm, I'm the asshole. Right. Like I had to like separate myself from a a bit. And then I realized how funny it was. And now it's like, I like can embrace. Yes. I love the morbid logging for the picaresque, you know, and that (laughs) fatal flaw, you know, it's like, I love all of that in this book. And it's like, yeah, this speaks to my soul, but also it's incredibly funny if you like allow it to be. Yeah. When, uh, when they're confronted with like, Oh, how could you justify cold murder? And like the guy like lights a cigarette and says like, well, I prefer of it to think of it as redistribution of matter. And I was like, you know what? If I read it in the nineties, that would have been really funny. That would have floored me. But now, now it's a bit blasé, but still. I'm not sure if it's this book or if it's in, if we were villains, I think it might be, if we were villains, but it might be in this one. Uh, it's a, you can justify anything if you do it poetically enough, or if you make it poetic enough or something like that. And <laughs> it's it like, yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh. yeah that that is the thesis statement of dark academia as you can justify anything if you make it poetic enough and i think that's the the exact pitfall that that some authors definitely fell in this like they believed oh, yeah. that if if you believe yeah. hard enough like you're then you've lost it like you need to be aware of that this is like no you fucking can't 
No, you fucking can't. Clearly not. Uh, but you need to almost believe it. It's like you're, right. it's like you're selling a con. Yeah. Yeah. Just, there's no better way to describe writing a book than like, I'm trying to trick you. I'm, I'm actually a like, con artist trying to trick you. Read my book. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that the lesson from so far from this episode has been, wow, so many people ha- are amazing at taking the wrong idea away from this. Like you just want to like them. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it's, uh, there's more and more. And like, I don't really like YA, which I know is just <sighs> a marketing term, but the type of books that get published under that marketing term yeah. Yeah. tend to have kind of like not all books written for teenagers are bad, but you know, those are very good However. and need to exist. <laughs> Hunger Games is great. Scott Westerfeld's stuff is great. But a lot of the like I feel like Dark Academia is starting to be like less published for adults. Oh yeah. And more published as YA, which is still just for 30-year-old white women. Like I, I have friends in publishing and they've said that when people are like, oh, we should do this book for YA, it's they're thinking of white women in their 30s who will like it. So it's like being published not for adults, but still is. But it's like when you don't publish it explicitly for adults, I mean, not that stuff for teenagers can't be really dark. Again, The Hunger Games is great. But like maybe that might be where some of the issue is, is like people aren't willing to like get into the dark of the dark academia enough. Okay, we murdered someone and I need a yes and. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you actually like this is dark not because there's a murder in it. Yeah, you know, that is the least dark thing in this book. Well, is yeah. the murder. The dark thing is seeing how these people fuck up their lives so much and seeing them like miserable and starving and like drunk off their asses all the time and like just ruining their lives and also the things out of their control that happened to them like stuff with like francis and his family right which like he could just uh, fucking be like fuck you family and like not but there's a there's a fantastic section and i like for for a lot of the things in this book like it gets class quite well i think or at least like 90 percent of it from what i gathered that's like so these are all people who are mostly quite rich or at least to some degree richard clearly is not like he's from a much more suburban and it's like just isn't he went to community college yeah exactly and he pretends to be the entire time and i don't think he ends up telling anyone about that ever and like he just keeps to himself he does not open up does not say anything and at one point before they kill bunny uh, or yeah, I think it's before. There's like, Richard goes like, we could, you could just run away. Yeah, but like, but our money, you could just run away. No, we couldn't. And in a visceral way, yeah, they couldn't because they, they don't know how to live, how to exist, really. <laughs> They're pathetic. <laughs> Utterly pathetic. Yeah. If you hate rich people, read this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very, very good. Very, very good. Like, yeah, yeah. Ter- terrible rich. Rich college kids, terrible. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't know. I do feel like, especially like once again, talking about taking the wrong lessons from things. I think like one of the current struggles that we are just like failing at miserably left and right across literature, but not just literature. I would say all forms of media as well, but to just focus on the literature and definitely like the YA thing, 
I think, like, once again, we don't know how to do edgy anymore. We don't know how to do, like, you know, the darkness stuff anymore. Because, once again, you have, like, this whole group of people. It's like, see, isn't this dark? And, like, they are this very masturbatory, and not even in a fun way, but, like, in a very masturbatory, like, you know, like, this, 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 like, oh, look, look, aren't, aren't you sad? And, like, no, I'm, well, kind of, but sad that I'm wasting my time on this book, maybe. Which is not, like, a good I, moment to, like, you know, to, to, to make your reader feel or whatever. So yeah, I do think there's definitely something there with the whole, like, not to reiterate the whole, like, well, what no critical thing does to a motherfucker, but, but, what no fucking, <laughs> but, 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 but having a desperately poor perception and like, I would think also, once again, I'm so sorry for saying this all the time, dear listener, but with having a severe lack of like, uh, curiosity towards intellectual or having a severe lack for curious for curiosity regarding the development of the elements that you put in your book. Like yeah. having an awareness, wanting to like, oh, I don't want to, because people are so afraid of like, I don't want a genre to define me. I'm like, well, motherfucker, you are publishing within the genre. Like you, you don't let it define you. Sure. But that doesn't, but often this is just a very cheap excuse for like, I don't want to do my own homework. I just want to write stuff like, like, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not how that works i'm so sorry I, I think a good homework for this and i i will be so bold to say is like donna touch probably read him and probably was aware because i could get, get some tones from it read dostoevsky read crime and punishment that's seriously fucking dark and gets murdered really well and yeah. it's like it's not just a, it it is about the killing but it's not just about the killing it's before it's after the killing yeah, as, and as the serious stuff, which is what this book spends a lot of time of. Like the whole narration is after the killing. We know the killing has happened from the very start. It's the first sentence. No, but exactly. But I think that book specifically, or like you know that corner, I would say, is once again is depicting that with a sincere and deliberate intent to depict that. Well, there's a there's a very profound desire to make that an integral part of your book. And I think where, this this is speculative, I'm sorry, but I think where we kind of went wrong is, well, I don't want to say that, but I think uh, something that is not performing optimally, let's just say that, is like this whole, with, with the most, we have the most amount of people that want to be writers now. So you have a bunch of writers giving like this shit work job, uh, workshops or work jobs. I don't know what, whatever that is. <laughs> a work job. Yeah, I'd be yeah. very curious to see what that entails. <laughs> you get to find out in court. No, it's, it's, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's or, or online, but it's, I don't know, like these shit work jobs about like, and this is how you construct like, you know, uh, the, the good like a fantasy book or a good YA book or what, what have you. And like, eh. uh, when we try to formalize these things in a, also in once again, in a very desperately uninteresting way and an unformulative way, I think we, we, we might have had made a mistake. And I think this is how we have been thinking about like, how do we make a book? And then I, I, I've watched some of these, not a lot, I admit. But I've watched some of these workshops and it's like, okay, well, then you can put the murder here. And like they try to formalize this very, once again, this this thing that is as broad as, once again, murder mystery or like just having murder being an element in your book. And I think well, yeah. that's such a desperately uninteresting way to approach murder. And I think, uh, well, once again, we talk about literal Dostoevsky. <laughs> and I think, once again, that is 
that was a much more sincere and deliberate enthusiasm for murder. Uh, <laughs> read it however you will. But I don't know. I do feel people just very arbitrarily yeet things into books because like, okay, as if it's like an ingredient you put on a dish or something. Like, well, let's add some spice here and that's murder. The murder is spice. Spice is murder. Yeah, because it's like, if this book didn't start with literally them killing Bunny, that's like literally first sentence, them killing Bunny. And then Richard's like, oh, by the way, we killed Bunny. And then here's how my life happened. Like, where it's <laughs> it's very much like, oh, oh, yep, that's me. But you're wondering how I got here. It's like, it's a <laughs> record scratch. That kind of, yeah. It just made sense. But, but like, if it <laughs> dramaturgically. But like if it didn't have that at the beginning and it was just a book that then had murder in it, I don't think it would be as interesting. I think the way that it, the literal structure of the book that has, okay, we murder this person and then learning how that happens, both what leads up to it and then how their lives are like after, like, I think that element of it is what makes it interesting because it's not about the murder, right? Like the murder done and over with for a sentence, but it's like more how, like, what is it about how these people relate to each other and what they think and then their lives after. Whereas like, if you just put your murder in a book, (laughs) in a dark academia book, if there's just random murder in it, which I guess then every dark academia book has to be a murder mystery now because people are expecting a murder to happen. (laughs) Yeah. And so then in and of itself is just reading and being like, when's the murder going to happen? How's it going to happen? Oh, I wonder, <laughs> who's the murder, Donna? I wonder who dies. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, like when I was reading, if we were villains, I was like, all right, act three. Oh, they're <laughs> doing Julius Caesar. I bet I know what's going to happen. Like that's when I was reading, if we were villains, I was like, uh oh, because like it also, it is framed as in a person in prison talking with the detective who put him away being like okay now that i'm about to get out do you want to know what really happened and then and then you get the story and so it's still like all right we kill i'm in prison for killing a person but do you want to know the real story now so it's like it's like all right act three what's gonna happen but yeah i don't know like the 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 decision to make it a like to put it in that genre, right? Uh, to for it to if we're going to be good Deridians here, to have it participate in the genre of <laughs> murder mystery, like, and then that puts it in like a vein of like, okay, what are other murder mysteries? Like, okay, like how is this book now in conversation with not just dark academia books, but like what other murder mysteries is this book now in conversation with? Like, yeah. when I took a murder mystery class in, in college. Um, one of the other books that we read was The Talented Mr. Ripley, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't call Dark Academia, but is a very similar flavor to The Secret History, I would say. But we also read like some really good Japanese murder mysteries. We read uh, Devil, in a, is it Devil in a Blue Dress, uh, which is um, a, a Black detective and a Black author. Um, because a lot of murder mystery people just think of Agatha Christie, and it's a very white. Yeah. And that does somebody. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bunny is extremely anti-Semitic. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That was just a big rambly rant about murder mysteries and stuff and how I feel like 
now it's like de facto murder mystery, even if the book, a book isn't participating in that genre, just because we are expecting a murder to happen in dark academia. So it like, therefore like has to be a murder mystery. Yeah. I think then my, like one of my final thoughts, because we are getting over an hour is that when people criticize this book and also criticize the genre, the misogyny alarm bells mm-hmm. go off in my head because this is written by a woman and a lot of the people who like it and dark academia in general are women and girls mm-hmm. right there there are a spattering of us trans men out there uh who, who are very into this as well but it's a genre and hashtag aesthetic that is largely enjoyed by and created by uh women right and so like i can't help but it's like you know the thing of like teenage girls aren't allowed to like anything oh yeah Mm -hmm. and anything that they do like is inherently bad because teenage boys have superior taste after all (laughs) such harbingers of like culture teenage boys wow sorry go on yeah justin tells me that i'll never fully transition until i like try to go super saiyan out in the woods because that's like apparently like a foundational teenage boy experience I never did that. I did like Dragon Ball Z, but then again, I have ADHD, so like, like sharp colors and men yelling at each other I was like, yes, it's like that's that did that did <laughs> awaken something in my very unarmed, unready teenage boy ADHD riddled brain. I will admit, but I never <laughs> went outside in the woods. I never, well, I was too shy for that. I think also, my people don't fare well in the woods. Anyway, no need to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I do think, once again, uh, especially like talking about the, the Christie, uh, to reinforce like the point I was trying to make earlier, like you do need to take serious the, tra- the tradition you're entering. And if mm-hmm. you are afraid of like, oh, I'm afraid I'm being defined by my genre or oh, I'm afraid I'll get railroaded into writing something because I read other people's, other people's work and you're probably a shit art author and you should probably not like, you know, write if you're that fucking weak. I mean, if you're that impressionable. And I, I do think that it's very important to like, once again, read Agatha Christie and know that those people had some opinions on other groups of people that were not good. And we once again, we need to know that if you want to like, and I think this this goes like hand in hand with the whole I don't care about politics or like, you know, which is like the most insipid, most privileged take you can have. And I fucking wanna anyway, I'm not gonna finish that sentence. But that's that's you know, that's bad. And I don't know, I do feel like it's very important to once again take serious the tradition you're entering and respect it enough to fucking read what's there. I don't know. Right. Like you don't have to like genre isn't there to be a box. Yeah. Genre is there to be a scaffold. Yep, exactly. Like I'm really into romance novels, which are some of the most formulaic stories (laughs) that you can read. And when it's what's fun is when people take that formula and what you're expecting, it's like this beat happens and this beat happens. It's like, and they either fuck with that or they do it in a way you don't expect. And you can still get your happily ever after or you're happy for now or whatever. And there's still these very predictable beats, which is why people like romance novels. A lot of times we read them because we like this specific formula. But then what's fun is seeing then how people play with that formula while still participating in that scaffolding. Yeah. You know? Which I think this book does well with the murder mystery. 
Because yes. it, it does something that murder mysteries only fairly recently are, and, and in studies of the genre as well are doing more more often and more attentively, which is thinking about the victims. Like, uh, why is this person being killed and not the other? In which way is this being portrayed or is this being ignored? You know, long history of woman victims not having a proper story and, you know, being like these side characters, just being the victim, is the victim not being significant, not having a particular voice, etc., and so on. In this one, like, yeah, Bunny's a fucking horrible character who deserved to die, but we <coughs> get him very meticulously. We know who Bunny is, or at least how he behaves and what he's doing at this point. And we want him to die, and we don't care, but that it doesn't lessen the blow. I think one of the best things that this book does is like the the sequence the sequences of the days after the murder. Because we're told from the very start that like, okay, we killed him, and he was supposed to be discovered quickly, but there was a frost and it took a while. And we know that. But when we're reading that section hundreds and hundreds of fucking pages later, the characters so feel the anxiety that that's not happening. And we know it's still not gonna happen, but we just carry on through that is like whoa this this is serious like the fact is like oh oh he's not showing up what, what what's going on has anyone has anyone seen him and it's like no I, I don't know and it's like no one will ever see him again and somehow he spotted <laughs> elsewhere and it's like oh wait no he's dead it's like so good that that's generally one of the best sequences it's horrendous yeah, it's, so it's wonderful I also feel like out of all of the characters, Bunny's probably the one that's fleshed out the most. He hmm. is the person I feel like it's like he's like a real person to me. And Judy. Judy's real. But like all the rest of them, I mean, he's also like an archetype, but it's like I don't feel like I know Henry. I don't feel like I know the incest twins. I, I feel like I I I Did they need to that be there? Okay, I just I just I just want to ask the question. Did I need to be there, the incest twins? Is that is I don't know, West I like Virginia? it when it's fucked up. Like, it's <laughs> they're from virginia they're from virginia <laughs> oh re- oh i missed that My yeah pleasure. they're southern yeah oh, they're well, southern oh never mind twins. actually they needed to be there <laughs> i retract my previous statement i'm so sorry thank you jay <laughs> yeah they're from virginia i think yeah yeah they're southern incest i'm twins. just happy that i know virginia as, as a european that's all that's, i'm just gonna pat myself on the head there you go yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no, like you know bunny it's like i feel like i know a lot about bunny and I don't feel like I know a lot about any of the other characters. Even if it's still kind of surface level for Bunny, he feels more realistic to how a human being is well, than, like, Henry. I think that's because we spend a lot of time with Bunny uh, deliberately expressing his desires, which, once again, after yeah. all, what's the, what's the most human thing you can do while express desire? And like I don't know if that's necessarily something I believe in, but it's a, within literature. That's a that's a very you know, it's a thing trademark. Like I don't know what the other characters want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we do learn all like what well, Buddy wants, and it's, it's all bad. Uh, it's all bad. It's but all we bad. do know it. Oh well, yeah, we do all know terrible. it. <laughs> and that's a yeah. choice, I guess, that you can make. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess my only other thing would be to ask if if you were in a dark academia novel, what would the like academic subject of your story like be? 
Horses, no. Horses, yeah. <laughs> no, no, Next no, question. No. Never. You go first, Frank. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for making it easy. I... Fuck. I don't know. I... I mean, to, if I'd make... I think... I think I could, I could write a dark academia story about Brazilian modernism. Oh, the Cannibal Manifesto's got to be in there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, you see where I'm getting at, Jay. Uh, yeah, and, I see where you're going, Frank. I see where you're going. <laughs> and a lot of infighting and people being pretentious. And, and of course, if I'd write it now, I'd have the, the, like a lot more about the explicit, like, th- these are rich people. And, like, here are here we see, like, the other marginalized people like, l- being a p- distant from this. And just, like, yeah, no, this, what the fuck? These people don't speak for us or anything of the sort. So that, that, that'd be interesting. Mm. I feel like that's the one I could write. I, 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 that would, to, to phrase it better, one I, would th- I think could be really weird to write would be like a, a science fiction one. Like how the fuck would I do that? Uh, with a Feed few- an Astra. <laughs> Duly noted. That's Duly out. noted. Yes. Yeah. Your turn, Leon. Uh, I would probably write something about within within Dutch culture, the liminal and transformative spaces of our uh, culture and how how we suck at exploring any kind of hybridity between uh, mo- uh, modern elements of like English uh, importation from like United States and UK from our culture and our own culture and how that does not, uh, how that hybridity does not necessarily do well. <laughs> I think <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, how our, how, how we lack our consciousness uh, of that uh, process. And it's just like, it's just linguist. P- linguistical purists fighting with like 15 brain cell zoomers about like oh i want to use certain words and i poorly translate them into dutch and i I don't like any of these parties anyway that's what i would uh, like to (laughs) write about and research yeah i think if i were like the protagonist or something of a dark academia so like i actually like i did study literature in college Mm -hmm. and I feel like, so my like senior seminar that I did uh, was on um, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Well, it was Ooh. on the Pearl Poet. Mm-hmm. So that anonymous poet who wrote Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, but we read his other stuff too um, in Middle English. And, but like the way that that professor, before we even touched any of his stuff was she wanted us to be sort of familiar with and situated in like, people during this time how did they interact with a text both writing it and reading it Mm. and like concepts of authority and authorship in the medieval period nice because they're a little different than they are now because like the author was an authority on a text but so was the reader and you were encouraged to interact with the text and to gloss it Um, you could buy notebooks that were meant to have like glosses and margin marginalia and stuff in them. And also God was at least in, you know, like medieval like Europe and stuff and like the, the Christian medieval pl- period, like God was also an authority on the text. And so it was just like, like this like triad of authority 
and like how you interacted with something um or if like you couldn't read then like whoever was reading it to you right um and so it's like we had to learn all of that and read about that before we even touched this poet's stuff and then read like gowan with that mindset and so i feel like that's what mine would be about would be like medieval literature but the way that like that would infect the the structure of the text would be with this like concept of authority of uh, of like author and reader and then like i love the like religious element in the secret history it's also there kind of in vita nostra frank you need to read vita nostra <laughs> i'm really so curious as to what your thoughts is uh, you need to read it but like this sort of like element of like some sort of like something transcendental like get some like christian mysticism in there or 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 something with the medieval literature i think that's like if i were the protagonist that would be about i would also love to see one that involved music Mm -hmm. give me my opera dark academia (laughs) god damn it because it would be so melodramatic and big right like that would what would be infected the structure would be the melodrama of opera you know Anyway, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming to ours. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I got to talk about a book finally. Yay. Yes. Nice. This this Yay is books. good. Any any final thoughts, Leon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking puffer fish. I swear Fair to enough. God. I, I, I think I think I'm good as well. I think we, we talked about stuff that I want to talk about. This was fantastic. Jay, where can people find you and support you? Fuck. Everyone should go listen to Library Punk. Uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> Librarypunk.gay. We got the best website. We were on there. We Yay. recently, we, yes, y'all have both been on there. We recently did an episode with Corey Doctorow. Which yes. I don't, I still don't know how the fuck we pulled that, but we did. So that was cool. Yeah. And yeah, so I feel like libraries or, things related to them and you're a lefty library punk's good i mean we talk about a lot of shit that is close to and shitification so i can honestly recommend listening to that episode dear listener uh i'm sure it's still good be good yeah 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 we talk about mainly his book uh choke point capitalism and relate that to like in shitification and stuff like that see um yeah. and then i yeah <laughs> I'm also um, co-host uh, of the podcast Tinder Subject, which investigates uh, depictions of cannibalism in culture and art and media um, in a snooty, lovely, pretentious way. In a secret history kind horny. of way, if you will. Yeah, it's all, it's like also super horny, so like warning. Um, but like Frank's been on there, and Yay. Leon's been on there, and Leon. Now that the the strikes are over, yeah. we have to have you back on to finish Whenever the Hannibal. Let's just let me stuff. Know. Yeah, yes. But yeah, so if you're interested in, we do t- we do a lot of movies. Uh, we promise we're not horror vanguard, um, <laughs> despite not hey, one but two you- guests <laughs> saying formalism zone uh, in an episode. <laughs> if you have to be something, you know, it's not a bad one to be. Yeah, it's just like how they're just a rip off of um, Weird Signal. We're just a rip off of them. Love, love you, John and Ash. <laughs> I guess you're sorry of all the things your podcast did not be. Of all the things yes. it did, but also did not be. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And you can find Library <laughs> Punk and Tinder Subject on uh, Twitter and uh, Blue Sky. We will link it in description. And Tinder Subject also has an Instagram, and wow. uh, Kate like reposts a lot of 
uh, funny memes and weird art. Sick, sick, sick. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, do check those out. Listen to those. There's 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 a lot of good stuff from both. Uh, so can't can't recommend them enough. If you can, please check out our Patreon as well at patreon.com forward slash left page, where we've been putting up Leon and I quite a bit of writing as we are oh, we're making big plans and big projects for <laughs> 2024. So if you'd like to support us, if you could support us in this wild ride, by all means, we we'd be happy to have you along. So yeah. yeah. Thank you so much again, Jay. This has been wonderful. Uh, thanks again, Leon. And thank you so much, everyone. Eventually, I'll make you read Infinite Jest, though. You can't run for me forever. Oh, look, we're out of time. Oh, no. Oh, oh. <laughs>